0: I just want to ask you this morning if you're ready to take a test. I have a test for you and uh, I know some of us look fondly back at school and taking tests but I was never the greatest student in school so I was pretty fearful of tests. But today we have a test from God's Word and so I want us to think about uh, testing ourselves uh, with what God says in His Word. And uh, one of the interesting things about this test is that, uh, as I studied up on this, more important than knowledge or faith, usually we think of knowledge and faith when we think of uh, being a Christian, but this is the test of love, loving one another. And so that's what is going to be our subject. We see the title of my text right there. Uh, Let's uh, bow our heads in prayer, ask for God's help. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that guides us and even uh, convicts us of sin. Lord, help us, uh, guide us today as we look at these verses. I pray that you would uh, speak to us and help us to uh, receive your word with a glad heart and an open heart and apply your word today. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. So, we're going to, if you look on your bulletin, on the back of your bulletin, that might be helpful to kind of follow along, but the first section we're going to be talking about is God is love, and then we'll be talking about how God's love is made known to us, and then lastly, we'll be more about application and how we ought to love one another. And so the first verses in our text were in 1 John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles open, we'll be talking through the verses of verse 7 through 12. And we'll just take two here to start out, and then we'll take another two, and then we'll finish with the last verse. Behold, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love... Does not know God because God is love, and I was I mentioned this in the first service that uh, when uh, Gary came up and did the call to worship, he mentioned the about holy sandpaper, and I thought that is exactly kind of helps us guide what I wanted to say today because usually when we sometimes I would say when we talk about God's love, we would think about all the beautiful. Uh, expressions of love in the body here and and when we talk about God's love today it's primarily in the body of believers and so when he mentioned that about holy sandpaper it was I was kind of surprised because that's really what I want to talk about and apply this message is when somebody gets sideways with somebody else or if somebody offends you or somebody says something that that hurts you we need to think about how we are to react to that in the body of Christ, and it would be wonderful if we could say the, the body of believers is perfect, we would never have these issues, but if you've been in the church for any length of time, I'm sure you've seen some, some of these different sins on display, and so we want to be real, and we want to address and look at that today in Scripture Beloved, let us love one another. This is how John starts out. What a, what a beautiful uh, way of starting out. We, we've, learnt, we've heard of this before in this church about this term beloved uh, is a term of endearment, right? It's, uh, I think the, Philip said, uh, uh, those whom I love, or something like that, uh, that, that translation. And then we note, that he says, let us love one another. So John is including himself in these remarks that he also is loving the other believers. And later in the text, we'll see the word us and we. So he continues in, his, in these verses to include himself in this idea of loving one another. And so we see in our text, for love is from God. And so... This is where we'll start and we'll spend some time talking about uh, God is the source of love. And John Calvin had this quote, God is the fountain of love and love flows from him. And in one of the books I was reading, uh, this was uh, by F.B. Meyer, he had a beautiful picture of this, what he wrote was like a fountain of God's love coming down on us and us being like a vessel underneath that waterfall right if you picture a a waterfall and the water pouring off of that into a vessel this is a good picture of what we should we know that we are receiving love from God and it should be overflowing to others around us and so that's a picture that we can have in our mind of how God's love comes to us and we and it goes out from us to others And this text has always impressed me. Um, If you know the story, Moses was on Mount Sinai and the first set of tablets were broken because when he came down with the tablets with the Ten Commandments, he uh, was so shocked that they had built a a calf out of uh, gold that he threw those tablets down. So he's on the mountain again uh, with God and this is what The Lord says about himself. He says, It says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. And here we have it about love, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And then it's repeated, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. I was struck by that. He quickly did it, right? And I was thinking, even to us today as we read these words, I hope that's our inclination when we, we are before a holy God that we would quickly, in a sense, bow our heads in reverence for who God says he is here. And I used a number of quotes, which I try not to use too many, but in the beginning I want to be precise in my definitions, and my language. And so here's a a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says, All I know is that God, in the very essence of his nature and being, is love. And you cannot think of God and must not think of him except in terms of love. Everything that God is and does is colored by this, All God's actions have this aspect of love in them. And another way we could say this is that all His activity is loving activity. When God judges, His love is there, and when He loves, His justice is there. And I think if you've ever done a study on God's attributes, uh, we always have to caution to not separate them and to think that Now his justice is being uh, applied, and now his love is being applied. But they all work together. And so that's something that we just need to remind ourselves of. Wayne Grudem, in this uh, systematic theology book that I have, defined it like this. God's love means that God eternally gives himself to others. This definition understands love as self-giving for the benefit of others. And already as you hear these words and listen to this message, I think it's good for us to be thinking about our own love for others, right? If somebody offends us or whatever, uh, our love should be self-giving and for the benefit of others. And so this is where we, we should be tracking uh, how to take God's example and be an image bearer of that and to love others. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows of God. And this is, I think, in a simple way to, to say this is, you know, we often, we see, we have a lot of children in the church here, and sometimes we see young people and we say they look just like their father, right? And it's important for us as Christians that we look like our heavenly father. And if we don't, there's a disconnect there, that that's not, something's not right, and so let's Uh, be thinking about that in our lives if we are uh, displaying God's love to others. And we read here, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So here's when I told you we were taking a test, here we see some of this language that's uh, very direct and is pointing out that if we do not love, uh, we do not know God. Because God is love. And so, it's always good for us to examine our hearts. I was thinking of David. He said, search my heart, O God, and and know me. And see if there is any grievous way in me, right? And so, it's it's always good for us to be humble and examine our hearts. And so... On the next point, I want to talk about uh, how God's love was made known to us. And one of the things that struck me as I studied this was that, you know, we often hear uh, about God is love, right? It's sometimes we see different, even commercials on TV about, about Jesus gets us different expressions like that, God is love. But we see the writer here, he immediately goes to talking about Jesus. And I think this is an important note that we can take from this, that it's, it's not, I think it leaves, uh, it leaves things half said if you just tell people God loves you because you haven't talked about Jesus. And it's important to talk about Jesus because that's really where the gospel is encapsulated, right? Including sin and the wrath of God. And so we see that the writer here, he goes immediately to talk about Jesus. And these are the two verses now that we're moving on to to talk about Jesus. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and he sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins, and so this is where we're going to uh, go through these two verses here. And I just want to uh, bring out the first point is that God sent His Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And I I think one of the important parts of this is that we we cannot love people just in our own sinful flesh but we need God's help. We, we need Him living in us and living through us. And amazingly, uh, this is what we know from Scripture, that He lives in us and He helps us. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. And this is love, not that we have loved God. And we hear this quite a bit here in this church, but it's very... Here we hear it again... Um, that God's love is, is initiated first, right? And we respond to His love. And it's not like we're loving God uh, without Him opening our eyes or without Him giving us a new heart. It's not our inclination to love God. It's our inclination to be rebellious and to, to I would say to people, sometimes uh, John ran John's life the way he wanted to, and I'm talking about myself. And so that's more our inclination. And the next verse we read, this just these are a little past the verses we'll be going through today, but it says, we love because He first loved us. So that's a good reminder for us. <clears throat> In our next slide here, it says, but that He loved us and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is a big word Some. Versions of the Bible would use atoning sacrifice. So that's another way to think of of this word. So Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So I have down here, how did God love us? Remember that because of our sin, we are alienated from God. His wrath for sin remains on us. Only through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross are our sins paid for. And it's those of us who've been in the church for many years know this, but we sometimes forget the holiness of God. I love that verse about Moses quickly bowing his head. would just remind us that we have a, a holy God who cannot just sweep sin under the rug. Sin has to be dealt with. And a good way to explain it is every sin is accounted for, either by the blood of Christ through asking for forgiveness by the individual or by uh, eternal punishment in hell. And that's the reality that every sin is accounted for. And that's sometimes shocking for us to hear, but it's the reality that we live in. So in order to make peace with God, We need to have our sins dealt with. And the next point makes that uh, point, that God sent his son into the world to make personal atonement for our sins. So if I give a message like this today without assuming there could be unbelievers, I know most of you as believers here, but we need to each ask ourselves a question, well, what about my sin? And this is important that each of us Uh, go through that question and we move here we see this question also are you washed in the blood of Jesus now this expression for those who haven't heard the gospel might sound kind of shocking that blood would wash us but we know this idea of atonement for sin is through Jesus sacrifice on the cross through his blood, and so that's why the old hymn would echo that, are you washed in the blood, right? And so these, this is language that is in a way shocking maybe to the world, but to us as believers, we're, we connect that with Jesus, the price he paid. And First 1 John 1, nine is a beautiful promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And at this point in the message, I thought, you know, I like to kind of hammer down, keep moving ahead, but I thought sometimes it's good to slow down and to think think about what it means that he has washed us, right? That he has forgiven our sins, and especially for those of us who've been believers for maybe many years, Interestingly, when I studied this, I believe the Holy Spirit helps us. And as I was leaving the office uh, one morning after studying this, the song came to my mind, and I think it's familiar with some of you, but it goes like this. Thank you for, or excuse me, thank you. I'm thinking of the other song that's coming later. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. How many of you are familiar with that? Have you heard that before? Let that sink in. Sometimes it's good for us to to just be thankful and to think about what He's done for us as believers. And we used to sing quite often and still do sometimes this song, and I think this is a beautiful prayer also. And it goes like this. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price you paid. I don't know what that does for you when you sing that, but for me, it starts to break me down in my under you know in my it's really sinking in what God has done for me, like that waterfall that's pouring his love on me that's how I picture what he's done for me in in saving me and so I wanted that just to uh Before we move on to more about the application of loving one another, just to sink in, and if you are a believer here today, I hope you will be singing songs of thanksgiving as you leave this place. The next part of our text here we have is, we also ought to love one another and i looked up in webster's dictionary what ought meant i was pretty sure i knew but i thought well we'll make sure by checking the dictionary and it said obligation or duty and so i have to say it's your obligation and it's your duty and i have uh you know also this thought in the next slide about with the same uh, you know verse here with is I think it's good to do it out of gratitude for what he's done for us, but it's still, it's our obligation and duty because of what he's done for us that we need to love others. And primarily, we're talking about loving each other in the church here, I think. And so I think when we think about this church body that God is blessing and growing and, and so many acts of kindness and love that we see, I want to commend this church for that. But I just want us to be on our guard for, as the history of church, the church shows that there can be friction at times. There can be offense, right? And, And I want to be real as a leader in this church. I don't want to pretend everything is perfect in this church, and it always has been, and it always will be. But we need to be real, and so when we get into the later parts of this message, we're going to be applying this idea of loving each other in the body and this is very familiar this is called the great commandment and be it's called great because it has that in the text and he said to him you should love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind this is the great and first commandment so we've been talking about loving god first right this is we cannot love others unless we first uh, deal with our sin and have this love toward God. So that always comes first. And then the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Think about what an amazing statement that is. That if you're fulfilling those two commandments, you are in a sense fulfilling all the law and the prophets. That's an amazing thought. But then we read, we just had this in our men's study, John 13, 34, it says a new commandment, and we have to ask ourselves, well, how can this be a new commandment? We just read uh, the great commandment. But if you read with me here, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, Jesus said, he's talking to his disciples. And so we see that that's the standard. The standard went from loving your neighbor as yourself to loving, as Jesus did, his disciples. And when we think about Jesus' sacrificial love, right, we talk about the sacrifice he made. And so when we start thinking about loving others, we can think in terms of sacrificing to, and giving a sacrificial love. It says, on the last sentence, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another think about the witness that is if we in the church are loving one another it's it's a powerful testimony to the world around us so that's another important thing to remember in in uh, resolving conflict in the church and just loving each other and this is our last verse today and it says no one has seen god If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And whenever we study scripture, it's good to ask questions. And we would ask the question, why is he starting out with this? No one has ever seen God. And it fits. As we move through, you'll see how that fits um, when we talk about uh, God's love and then our love. It says here, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And this idea of, of God lives in us is, is so amazing. And uh, it's a sad day if we think Christianity is just a attending church and a little morality, maybe some knowledge of some doctrine. But God's, to be a Christian is so much more. It's literally God living in us. Think about that. The text said God abides in us. You could say remains in us or lives in us. And what an amazing thought that the God of the universe would live in a sinner like me. And all of us, uh, we know this is true from Scripture, that he dwells in us, we say sometimes, or, or, and we dwell in him. And Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote this, he said, The eternal God, who is Spirit, enters into my life, he moves in my life, deals with my life, organizes my life, and manifests himself in my life. And so, there's a mystery involved in how this all works. But I would say it's it's an amazing, profound thing. And the, the other thing we need to remember is that the Spirit works through the Word of God. And Pastor told me a number of years ago, the more the Word of God, the more of the Spirit. And I think that's good for us to remember that, that that's the primary way that the Spirit works, is through His Word. If we love one another, God's love is made complete in us. So here we, we remember that beginning of the text when he said, uh, no one has ever seen God but, but we see that his love is made complete, or I think ESV said perfected in us. And so we see how God's love, he is using us. We sometimes say that we are his hands, or we are his feet, right? Or we are his mouthpiece and that we speak words of encouragement to others. And so it's a beautiful thought that the God of the universe would love somebody else in the body uh, through us, right? And, and that's uh, just a beautiful thing to think about and something that we want to definitely uh, be used by God in that way. And I have, toward the end of the message, I have some uh, things in application that I want to read. I want to read a psalm that we read earlier, uh, or I mean uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and then also I want to read from Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones's book. And that will help us for more application here. <clears throat> and this this kind of blew me away when I read this, but I think it's good for us to uh to hear these words today. It says uh this is from his book, if you want to know. This is called Life in Christ Studies in 1 John. And this, this whole book is 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and it's sermons and messages that he wrote. And he writes this As we have said, John does not put this merely as an exhortation, he puts it in such a way that it becomes a desperately serious matter, and I almost tremble as I proclaim this doctrine. There are people who are unloving, unkind, always criticizing, whispering, backbiting, pleased when they hear something against another Christian. Oh, my heart grieves and bleeds for them as I think of them. They are pronouncing and proclaiming they are not born of God. They are outside the life of God, and I repeat, there is no hope for such people unless they repent and turn to Him. They belong to the world. The murderous spirit of Cain is in them. God is love, and if I say I am born of God, and the nature of God is in me, then there must be some of this love in me. Everyone that loveth is born of God, and everyone who is born of God loves. The two statements mean the same thing. So that this is proof positive, final evidence of my new birth, and that I am born of God. Do you feel any love within you toward the person you naturally dislike, that person who is so irritating and can be in certain respects so hurtful to you? Do you know a sense of compassion and pity? Do you pray for that person? Can you truly say you are sorry? That is what love does. Do you feel that with regard to these people? If you are born of God, you must, however feebly, I almost debated whether to read that because it's such strong language. But I would say if, the, if we're characterized by that description, then we need to examine. Uh, the, the scripture would say we are not a Christian. And so that's the test. It's a serious test. But I think for, for many of us, the challenge is we may not be characterized by it, but there may be things on that list that we need to be on guard and be careful of. And so by going, I could think of three or four examples just within the last two or three years in this church where I've said something later, I thought, I better go back to that person and apologize. I think, you know, I I really got off, you know, I said something I shouldn't have. And so that's helpful. Even if I wasn't sure that I said something was offensive i think it's good just to make sure and um, just to ask as a question did i did i say something to you that that was offensive i i thought later it might have been and i don't mean that i'm concerned about it so i think these are ways that we can grow as a christian is by applying um, that message there on those list of things just to be on guard against and i think You know, the history of the church is, sadly, uh, things like these kind of things can happen in a church. And rather than pretend that we're perfect, I don't have anything on the horizon, you know, that I would say this message is for so-and-so. But I'm just thinking it's good for us to be on our guard, right, in the future. God is doing amazing things, growing this church, And there's tremendous love of the fellowship in in this church. But I think we just want to be always careful in the future that we uh, just know that the devil would love to take down something that's a witness to the the world. And I want to read now 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13. And this is uh, helpful, I think, in applying this message today. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, And I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And these next verses really are are how we can apply this message today. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And this next line, which we're, a lot of us are familiar of. Is helpful, I think, when it talks about when I was a child, I acted like this, but when I grew up, I changed. And I think this is how I, Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones used this verse in thinking about the Christian life as we grow. And I'll read it and we'll talk a little more about it. He says, uh, Here, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, and when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And I was thinking about my own journey in my Christian walk, and the earlier years when I went to church, I was quite insecure, and so I looked for the easiest person to talk to that I knew I could chat with because I was insecure and it was sometimes hard to talk after church with people. And uh, Kathy probably remembers this as the EV Free days. Some of those days I looked for Everett Veltisen if you remember Everett. He was an easy guy to talk to. And uh, so I share this because I think the reality is in our Christian life, uh, we ought to be looking to grow, right? We want to grow. And so um, I remember also leaving as quickly as possible after church because uh, I, I felt insecure, and, but as I have grown, I've tried to love other people, and so I've tried to make it more my goal to spend some time talking to somebody else, asking them how they're doing, and I don't feel like I'm gifted or good at this. I think God has grown me in this, and so I praise the Lord for that, but I just say that to challenge us, because sometimes we say, oh, I'm an introverted person. No, that's not me, so can't do that. But I don't think that we should let ourselves off the hook that easy. I think that we should ask God. Sometimes while I'm sitting in church toward the end of the service, I'm thinking, who am I going to talk to afterwards? So I ask God, direct me to to somebody that I can have a meaningful conversation with that would encourage them. And so I think that just simple prayer request has helped me and has also, um, you know, directed me a little bit. And, And I've seen later, I thought, God honored that prayer that I was intentionally trying to to love others. So I just share that uh, just as a way for all of us to grow in in love in this church. We end uh, chapter 13 of, of Corinthians here this way. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. This is how we started our message today. Beloved, let us love one another. And it struck me as a leader in this church that um, I'm calling you beloved. You guys are my family, and I'm so thankful for how I've been accepted and loved in this church and I, I just put this call out, you know, as a church body that we are to love each other, right? And I had a definition here of this love as they often refer to as agape love. It means self-giving love that seeks the best interests of others and is not selfish or self-seeking. And as I studied this, I remember one day kind of being a little bit heavy in my heart as I thought about my love, um, how much of it was really uh, self-giving or sacrificial love, right? Um, It's easy to love uh, my wife, who's a great cook, and I've received so many blessings back that, you know, uh, but I thought, how much of my love, even in the church, is really sacrificial love? And I don't think we need to, at the end of the week, make a list of, the sacrificial love and just the spontaneous love, because all of love is good. But I think it's good for us to sometimes think of it's okay if our love costs something. And I don't remember exactly in the Old Testament where David he he gave an offering to the Lord, and he did. And, and the, if I remember right, the farmer wanted to give him the oxen uh, to to make this offering, and he said, "No, I want to pay for that because." I, don't, I want to give the Lord something that cost me something. And so I just challenge us with that also, that it's good for us if it costs us something. It costs sometimes our time, our money, uh, or in, in, in many different ways. Sometimes it costs maybe uh, our pride, right? If you want to speak and be a, a leader or speak at your table at the men's study or if you want to uh, be a... Help in the women 's ministry and the leading a bible study it 's humbling to do to get in front of people and talk because it 's hard but it's but it 's okay to sacrifice for the lord and so i 've given a small offering to the Lord today by god 's grace, and I hope that it 's useful. I hope the Holy Spirit uses it, but i just trying to be real with you and then share with, share with you that this is my offering and since of what I've tried to do for the Lord. And praise God, Pastor Jeremy's back next week. I love to hear him preach. He's a great preacher. But I'm trying to uh, be a leader among you. And uh, let's love each other. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we know that you've poured out so much love on us. Like a waterfall, it pours out on us every day, every hour, It it pours on us. Lord, it's right that it overflows out of our lives and touches other lives. And what an amazing thought that even through sinners like us, your love could be completed, as it were, or perfected uh, through our hands and feet, through our mouths, Lord. May it be, uh, by your grace, may that be the case in this body We pray uh, a blessing on this closing song now. In Jesus' name, amen.